everyone. Welcome to another episode of PR Not BS with me, Fiona Scott. How are you today? I hope you're having a great day and a good week and that business or charity or your hobby or passion is treating you well. Today, I'm joined by a lady that I met a few years ago. She came on actually really early on in my business career on one of my courses. I know her as Jane. She's often known as Lady Janie, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. So welcome. Hello, welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. Really excited. Bless you. So give us a rundown. What are you up to at the moment, Jane? Well, I'm a consumer champion. I specialise in travel. Always very busy, whether that's in the media or whether it's actually trying to get refunds for customers who are struggling to get them themselves. Um, I pride myself, actually, on being able to contact the uncontactable in the world of, of customer service. And I think that's one of the biggest bugbears for customers that they actually can't get through to the companies to be able to get what they want to start with. So lots of things I do. I, I present on radio and I appear on TV and I write for publications. So not just my own blog, but also for, for major publications, female magazines, uh, but also some of the national papers. So, yeah, busy, busy. And tell me... What were you doing before you were doing all of this? Sort of, How did you get there, if you like, to, to be this consumer champion? Well, I was a little bit disgruntled and a bit worried about falling standards of customer service in the UK. And I wanted to try and do something about it. And I found a lot of the advice out there was really quite baffling and it would put people off, actually, asserting their consumer rights. So I kind of wanted to make things understandable, relatable and, and achievable for customers, for people. And I wanted to help. You must never, ever forget your why. And I wanted to help people to give them a bit of a laugh along the way, which I think I do. So I just used to go on various trips, used to go hotel stays, I'd go out, I'd come back and my hairdresser would say to me, oh, you know, how did you get on? How was it? And there was always a but. So it was fine, but, and she said, oh, this is really funny. You know, you should write it down. So I thought, okay, then. So I combined my idea of wanting to help people with her idea about just blogging about customer service experiences. And I created the Lady Journey blog. I did that with a little bit of help tech-wise because that's not my forte. I can't be marvelous at everything. Um, But I have a lovely website and on there I share blog posts that can help people consumer rights wise. And also I showcase the best of companies and I challenge the worst. So I started the blog uh, six years ago now. And that's what I was doing to start with. I was mystery shopping. So I was incognito. Uh, So initially I I didn't show my face. I just had my hair and my nails on all my social media posts and on the blog to protect my privacy there um, as a mystery shopper. I wrote a book about why people should hire a mystery shopper. And it then just evolved from there, really, because I was just writing the blog. And then um, I came on your course. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Although I'm, I'm bound to say this to you. So, you know, you came on my course. And for people, listeners that don't know, haven't been any of my courses, I teach people how to do PR themselves because I completely recognise that not everyone wants to work with someone like me or with a PR agency. They either can't afford it, they're too young in business, they want to learn the ropes themselves, or they may never want to work with someone like me. They just want to do things properly. So they're prepared to invest in some training. And you were one of those people, weren't you, with Jane? So tell us what you got out of the course, because it was a few years ago now. Yes, it was. And it was probably the best decision I've made in my journey so far. And uh, I was introduced to you by Jill Foster because Jill put me in the Daily Mail probably about five years ago now um, as a consumer champion, as a leading consumer champion in the UK and a self-made one. So someone that has actually learned how to do X, Y and Z. 
So that's the introduction that was there. And I thought, oh, this will be good. You know, I'll be able to find out more about how to market me. Because even though I've, I know a lot about customer service, I've got my diploma in customer service, and I am a respected authority now in what I do, I needed somewhere to showcase that. And I thought, oh, this will be good. And I was right. How marvellous. Uh, listeners, you may have listened to my podcast with the lovely Jill Foster, who's a national freelance journalist. He's a really good friend of mine. So you can look back. In fact, it's the second most popular podcast I've done is with Jill. So that's where that came from. So just give us, if you can remember, Jane, what kind of did you learn? What are the standout things that have stayed with you across the years or from the course that you did with me? One of the things is how to pitch. So what you need to include in that perfect pitch, because I think the message is often lost otherwise in what you're trying to get across. You know, the, the people that you're writing to, they don't have hours to be scrolling through, looking for pictures, looking for contact details, and then have to go backwards and forwards with questions with you. You know, they need that information there. It needs to be punchy. It needs to be uh, easily findable in, in your pitch. Um, so what to include, what not to include, titles, angles, um, and also, you know, how are you, um, how much are you prepared to give of you? So what do you want to talk about? Because there are bits about my life that I don't talk about. And when I did the course with you, that was fine because you said that that's what we should do. We should work within our comfort zones and do what we're happy with. We don't have to tell our entire life story to all and sundry, but we can pick the bits out that are good, relevant, will get in that media spotlight and are of, of consumer interest, for example, for me, because I'm ex-cabin crew. Uh, I remember talking to you about that and you saying, yeah, well, that's something that people are interested in, you know, and I've written numerous um, articles in conjunction with the Daily Express now about, you know, top tips for travel and what you should take with you um, on your journeys and the worst places to sit on the aircraft, what never to say to um, flight attendants. So, you know, that kind of thing is really interesting, really funny. And it doesn't mean I have to give any personal details about me away. I'm just telling my story in the best way I can. Yeah, you're quite right, because I do tell people to think of their lives like a magazine, actually, Jane, with all the different sections, all the different aspects of our lives. It could be money, could be holidays, could be charity, could be family, could be even sex or love life, if that's your thing. And then decide which areas are you comfortable talking about and just cross through the areas that you're not and don't ever go there. You can't put something out and then pull it back, especially not these days with being there on the internet. So once you do that, you feel a bit more confident because you're focusing on the areas where you feel comfortable. So tell me, Jane, how do you actually, if you don't mind me asking, this is a personal question, but how do you make money or a living from this visibility that you now have? Talk me through that. Well, my um, income has increased five times. It's five times more than when I first met you. And a lot of that is through media. And, it, and I am amazed myself. But it is because my media profile has increased. And I always have a word for each year as well. Um, last year actually was inspired. It was a massive media year. And also what you can do is if you go into one publication for one thing, then that can springboard onto other things. So, you know, I remember you talking about that on the course, you know, yeah, get it out there. Once you've got something you want to talk about, like the, the no spend Christmas that I did, that went across several publications. So it wasn't just limited to one thing. So I make money from uh, people paying me to write or from being featured. Also putting articles on my own blog but that's aside from the media so media appearances definitely and, and that is something that I never thought that I would be able to do when I first had that course with you. 
I'm thrilled to hear you say that. That's brilliant. I have watched you as well grow and gain in confidence and share your expertise with confidence and, and gain in, because I think you do a radio show as well, don't you? And I, you pop up on the national press. But the beauty of doing what you do is people are consumers. They are consumers of services and products. So your stories keep coming around, Jane. And I think that's what you've learned, isn't it? And it will be quite cyclical, like this podcast is going out in the summer. Holidays, for example, one of my good friends has just been done in a holiday scam. So let's delve into some of that at the moment. What are the biggest risks around summer and holiday seasons for consumers? Well, we're living in a time where scams are more rife than they ever were. People are looking to get a good deal. And by looking to do that, then they do need to be careful of people that know that they're trying to do that and will therefore try and and hoodwink them into deals that they don't need to be part of. You know, it is really important. I think if you're booking a holiday in in 2023, post-pandemic holiday that you do, but with a reputable travel agent, um, you know, give yourself the most consumer protection you possibly can. Pay by credit card, even if it's just a pound on your credit card, you know, anything up to £30,000 from £100 um, is covered to the whole holiday would be. Uh, package travel and link travel arrangements 2018 so book a package holiday and get yourself travel insurance you know that the price you pay could be a lot higher than your premium if you don't do that I think we need to go into the summer with our eyes open we have had um, two years now of travel chaos Uh, we've just gone through an Easter of travel chaos so summer's uh, likely going to throw a few um, spanners in the work as well and you need to be prepared for that as customers um, and you need to make sure that you have a contingency fund should you get stuck somewhere and you need to get yourself back and maybe cover those costs in the meantime. I don't want to put a dampener on everybody's holiday, but I just think you need to be really savvy. I think you do. I mean, I, I've noticed this last few years that on Facebook, people are advertising their Airbnbs, their villas, and it always makes me nervous. So do they really exist? Is this a scam? And I just think the potential for being caught out is much greater. The opportunities are greater with social media, but the potential for scams are greater. Yeah, that's right. And you you do need to check the reviews. Don't engage in any conversation off the site. So if they try and encourage you to contact them by email or phone number away from the Airbnb site, wherever you are, then that's something that should be a red flag for you. Uh, And also to make payment off the actual platform. You know, you are best to be able to pay by credit card if you possibly can. And bank transfer is not going to give you much protection at all. Uh, In fact, there's none. And I wanted to ask you also, Jane, I mean, slightly, I guess, more positive. I mean, have you been pitching or done anything on tips for the cost of living crisis, which is very all consuming at the moment? Yes, well, another string to my bow is that I'm an award-winning UK money blogger. So I'm very proud of that. And I'm people's choice as well. So people like what I write, which is good to hear. Um, but yeah, I regularly write money saving tips. And this links nicely into the travel sector as well. In fact, uh, my most recent pub, uh, submissions have been for a Take a Break magazine. And I've written about how to create a holiday budget and also how to save money on your holidays. And I've also done the same for national publications in in. Uh, years previous so and as you say this is kind of an evergreen content which just changes every year but it's still kind of the similar principles so yeah definitely money saving tips um predominantly travel but also across the board um in retail hospitality whatever you can possibly think of i've talked about it 
And Jane, let's go to your blog. I mean, let's talk about some nuts and bolts about that. How often do you blog and how do you get eyes on your blog? So talk to us about that. Yeah, well, the blogging bit was something I use the blog as a platform to showcase my fabulousness, if that's a word. So basically, I wanted it to actually showcase what I do. I didn't really use it properly as a blogger until probably um, late last year, because that's all it was, just a platform for me to show what I was doing. But even that I wasn't doing properly, because I hadn't really got a list of everything that I had appeared and done. Um, But I've included that now. It's on my work with me section. And it's not even everything I've done, because I've probably need about 20 pages extra of a blog but it is there now and when I read back through that because it dates back you know to kind of when when we met and I did the course and I thought oh goodness look at how much media coverage I've had and I wonder who I need to thank for that and and thought of your good self blog wise now I regularly post myself about consumer issues um, I do do the odd review um, only on products and services that I think are credible to be good enough to be on the blog I have my good name to keep and also I do put on there when I have appeared on different platforms on different, in different publications so that people can see that. But I'm getting that the, to get people to the blog, I've had to learn all about SEO. And that now is something that is still ongoing, but it is bringing traffic to the blog. But of course, when you are featured in the media, you get those backlinks. And if you get the backlinks, then that's great because it's going to build your DA and getting more people contacting me because my domain authority now for the website is very, very good. So that means that people do want to publish um, guest posts and put links into my posts. So on a weekly basis, do you think, right, this week I'm going to write three blogs or one blog or 10? You know, what is your level of content output? I try to publish one blog per week of my own um, and I often have one guest post sponsored post that will slot in and around that i don't really want to just write for the sake of it uh, so if there's a current trending topic that's something i've learned from you as well from that cause uh, you know hook on to what is current and trending when there were all the issues with every just before christmas i, I wrote a post about how to contact them and that is one of my top posts now it gets a lot of traffic because people are still trying to contact every and they're still trying to contact british airways for example and i'm actually starting a series of how to contact so uh, by the time this podcast goes out then there should be how to contact a whole range of companies because that is what customers find frustrating so i think the sort the site is also now it's a source of information so as well as a, a, a way of making things more accessible and understandable for people that have written about mortgages um, different types of mortgages for example then it's also so that people can find the information that they need in a relatively quick search and I've been really pleased because I'm actually now on page one I think for every on Google <laughs> so I'm like yay <laughs> and tell me Jane as this is going out across the summer one thing I do often talk about in the media particularly if you've got a product-based business is hashtag Christmas in July you need to pair in for Christmas in July in terms of marketing and PR but should consumers be preparing for Christmas in July if you know they've got issues around budget or they need to think, think about planning their money and their spend I know I'm throwing a curveball at you but I think you can cope Yeah, there's more reason to actually budget in July for December than less. It's an ideal opportunity because you've got that nice six months 
time span. Um, I think when we try and save for things very quickly and we put that extra pressure on ourselves and then we start to get uh, more panicky as, as the time arrives and awful lot of pressure around Christmas, how much you're going to spend, etc. But with anything, uh, forward thinking is really important. And, and the more you speak, the more I remember from your course because it is think ahead so yeah we're in we're in July now we need to be thinking forward to December in December we need to think forward to Valentine's Day or to Easter and having a schedule having a planner and doing that is really important and I think with the budget as well we always think of, of budgeting as a bit boring but it actually can be quite interesting if you go on holiday and then you come back and you want to start thinking about uh, saving for Christmas, then it's something you can do as a family and you can take one aspect each and you can break it down. Everyone understands what you're saving for, how you're going to save for it and maybe uh, set it as a challenge between you to be able to do so. So lots of nice things can be about budgeting, really. Oh, I look forward to the blog on that then, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I've done a bit of that already, I must admit. Okay, what do you think then this year of your experience so far this year um, sort of are the main things that consumers are bothered by at the moment? I think, as I've said earlier, the getting through to companies is a real bugbear. I think the quality of customer services nosedived again, but I think that we are all fed up with that old COVID chestnut excuse uh, for poor customer service because these companies have had ages now to adapt to uh, post-pandemic service where they've had to work from home or they've had reduced facilities and not being in their own office space and I think that you know we, we are growing tired of it as consumers and we're having the same old excuses and that is really also then you're having to fight more for refunds and, and what you're actually entitled to so that they I would say that they're probably top of the list of bugbears for people I think companies need to um, work with customers and listen to their customers more because it's all very well hearing them but do they actually listen no they don't but we also need to be better customers because we are not very good at at asserting our consumer rights and actually by being a better customer you can have a better customer service experience so by being mindful yourself and also you have a little bit of awareness of yes of course it's tough and, and things have changed and then and the person you're speaking to might not have the remit to give you x y and z but the way you explain your case and what you ask for and if, if you the way you actually make that complaint in inverted commas because I don't like the word complaint you know the way you say something is wrong can make all the difference to you and we're living in a time where customer service staff are getting a lot of unnecessary uh, verbal abuse physical abuse in some instances and it's just not acceptable on any level I mean customer service is a two-way street and uh, we we need to work together really not against each other I've got to pick you up on this. So why don't you like the word complaint? Because I think that it has negative connotations. I don't complain. I provide feedback. That's what I did. People asked me what I thought and I gave my opinion. And when you say complain, it does immediately have that negative stance. So if, if, if I rang you and I said I want to complain, you would maybe at first think, oh, okay, a complaint. Uh, whereas if I say, oh, Fiona, I've got some feedback for you. And that's fine, isn't it? That sounds so much better. And also your tone of voice when you're speaking to um, a company about your issue. If you smile while you're doing it, then you don't sound as cross. It's a really good little technique, just generally for your own mindfulness, because after ringing, spending hours on hold, listening to the same old tune of holding music, which drives people insane. And by the time you actually speak to someone, you're about ready to burst. Um, so it can be a quite, quite a good technique to calm yourself down. But I think, yeah, complaints just... Um, Complaining is feedback with a real image problem. 
Do you think you get better results by being a bit more thoughtful about how you um, frame your feedback? Yes, I think that you definitely do. I think it's your approach to it. I've been in situations where I haven't said the right thing at the right time, and that's how I've learned how to do this. It needs to be a well-structured complaint, and it needs to be one that can actually understand when we're upset and we're stressed, then we tend to put a lot of emotion into what we're writing or what we're saying. And that means that your message about what you're actually providing feedback about is lost or what you're actually asking for help with. So state clearly what the issue is, provide supporting evidence, provide contact details, keep it concise and brief, take all that emotion out of it. If you possibly can get someone else to read it for you, because if when they're reading it, if they can hear you shouting almost at the text, then you know that maybe you just need to make a few adjustments. It might be better to have a rant first and then to actually make it concise, make it readable and say what you want the company to do about it. The amount of times that I read complaint in inverted commas letters that are sent to me to ask for my advice, I can't find out what the problem is to start with because there's so much huff and puff in there. And I don't actually know what they want in order to be able to resolve the issue. So if I don't know what they want, then the company's not. And you can't rely on them to come up with it and give them a specific time frame for a response. Um, be persistent. Make sure you do follow it up. Seven days is, is perfectly uh, realistic. It's perfectly acceptable for a company response to you. Brilliant. Well, that's it in a nutshell. You now all know what to do. But Jane, just in case people forget, how do they find you? It's ladyjaney.co.uk and I'm on all social media as ladyjaney 75 Marvellous. Jane is not 75. I'm just saying that. (laughs) She's far younger than that, far younger than me. Jane, it's marvellous to talk to you. Thank you so much. And um, I'm sure I'll be getting you back on the show again, probably in a year or so, if that's all right with you. Yes, thank you very much for the invitation. It's been lovely. And thank you so much for, for making all this a reality for me. You know, my dreams have come true in so many ways. Oh, thank you, Jane. That means a lot to me. So if you'd like your dreams to come true in the same way that Jane's have, uh, you can find me at scottmedia.uk. I've got a Facebook group called Fiona Scott's PR Tribe where I advertise all my stuff. So you can pop along to join that. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at the Fiona Scott and also LinkedIn, Instagram, not so much on tiktok yet but that's to come i hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast you'll be listening to me again very soon i hope take care